0: We meet today in Philippians chapter 1, verse 11 to verse 20. In this section of Philippians, we are looking at the bones and afflictions which furthered the gospel rather than curtailing it. Now, Paul was deeply committed to the truth and integrity of the gospel. But in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to verse 18, he actually generously credits others who were doing ministry, even though they had impure motives. And that is a real surprise. Now, this sets an, an important example for Christians today who feel strong loyalty to their particular tradition or institution, like Paul. We need to accept and celebrate the fact that other believers, with different perspectives and approaches, may be helping people and accomplishing tasks that we never otherwise could. See, he begins by allaying the Philippians' concern about his imprisonment, which they thought had done disservice to the cause of the gospel. His argument is, there is no disadvantage at all in what is happening to me. In actual fact, God is causing my circumstances to further the gospel may be far greater than what I could have done if I was free. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What were the things that had happened to Paul? Paul is talking here about his imprisonment. Remember that the believers at Philippi had written to him expressing their concern about his imprisonment. And they were worried. They thought now he must be suffering. He must be in bad trouble. But now, he says, those things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul is speaking emphatically here to them. When the believers in Philippi heard that he was in prison, they sent a message to him by their pastor who happened to be a Paphroditus. And it probably went something like this. Oh, poor brother Paul, we feel so sorry for you. Now your great missionary journeys are curtailed. You are in prison, and the gospel is not going out. What are we to do? What will happen to you? Paul then responded and said, Look, I want you to know that the gospel is going out, and the things that have happened to me have not abridged, have not been a hindrance, but have actually turned out to be the fuel, to the going of the gospel now he will make clear what he means by this listen to him so that it has become evident to the whole palace God and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ what a perspective Paul looks at it and say maybe if I was just a free man how else would I have found access? access into the presence of the king, into the palace. But now it has become known. But he looks at himself and he says, even the chains that I have are known in the whole palace and to all the rest that these chains are chains in Christ. My friend, you can be free while you are behind bars. And that was the experience of the Apostle Paul. Now let's talk a little bit about the palace there. Pallas refers to the Praetorian guard, composed of the soldiers in the imperial regiments, whose barracks were there at Rome. It was actually Caesar's court, as the different soldiers took turns guarding Paul. They would hear the gospel. Paul thus turns a distressing, abrasive, personal humiliation into a means of glorifying Christ and feathering God's kingdom. Acts chapter 28 verse 16 tells us, Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. You see, Paul there had a soldier guarding him. In fact, extra-biblical writings tell us that he was chained to a member of the praetorian guard, and these men were the Roman patricians, members of Caesar's household. And now Paul looked at that and he said, Here I have a captive audience. Now, when Paul was converted, the Lord Jesus said that Paul would be his name before the Gentile kings and the children of Israel. We read that in Acts chapter 9 verse 15. Well up to this time, Paul had taken the gospel largely to the common vegetable variety of citizens in the Roman Empire. But now, he now has members of the royalty chained to him every four hours at the change of the God, one God would live and be replaced by a new God who would be chained to Paul. You see the captive audience here. If Paul would be speaking the gospel, even if this guy does not like to listen, there was no way he would not hear. He would even try to close maybe his ears and say, please, for I don't want to hear this, but Paul would be talking. Jesus, what do you think Paul talked about during those hours? Can you imagine having your congregation chained to you? Actually, I have a notion that some of them were happy to see their relief God come and some were also sad to see their relief God come, especially those who would have converted because then they would lose the opportunity to hear the gospel come to them. I also have a notion that even when they were allocated duties, maybe some would fight and say, I want to go and be attending to Paul. Others would be saying, please don't send me to Paul. (laughs) They would say, I am so glad. Yet others would say, I am so glad to see you. This man, Paul, is trying to make a Christian out of me. Many of them, by the way, did come to know Christ Jesus. The gospel penetrated Caesar's household. Actually, later on, Tertullian wrote that the Roman government became disturbed when it was discovered that Christians were in positions of authority. Many of these men later died for their faith as martyrs in the Lord Jesus Christ. What was their contact point with the gospel? It was because they were in touch with Paul, and he says, My imprisonment has not hindered the furtherance of the gospel, but it has actually enabled me to bring the gospel right into Caesar's household, right into royalty. Not only did Paul's imprisonment enable him to reach into Caesar's whole household with the gospel, but it also accomplished something else. It accomplished something else. I will talk about it. I will talk about it. And most of the brethren in the law, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Philippians 1 verse 14. You see, in the early church, there were many men who were willing to go out as witnesses for Christ. But after listening to Paul speak, they would say something like this men i would like to witness for the lord but i can't tell it like paul tells it so long as paul was out preaching the gospel others would feel unworthy not competent or even sufficiently trained they considered paul so much more effective than they could be but then one day the word went down the Roman roads, to all those centers where the churches had been established. And the word was that Paul was in prison in Rome. In many of those churches, men would say, Look, Paul is in prison. He can't go out anymore. I will go and preach the gospel. As a result, men started to preach the gospel. And I am convinced that hundreds and maybe even thousands of men hit the Roman roads and started to move out from door to door, telling people about Christ. So Paul says, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Actually, that happens in many congregations, especially if you attend a church where you have many people who are trained theologically. A common person feels unworthy to even stand up and give a testimony or to share some understanding of the Word of God because they just look at themselves and say, who am I to speak in front of all these gurus? In fact, the gurus too, The so-called gurus must take heed that they are not a hindrance. Rather, they should encourage the release of the potential that the upcoming Christians do have. Now, I believe there is also a third effect of Paul's imprisonment, which he does not mention in these verses. We can only get this from the perspective now of history. Paul may not have even realized the importance of his writing. But if he had not been put in prison, we would not have the prison epistles, the epistles we call Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Did you know that they now constitute part of the New Testament with great teaching? You see, they are all marvelous epistles, and we would not have them today if Paul had not been in prison. I am sure the Lord could have ...gotten this teaching to us some other way, but this was the way he chose. So Paul could say about his imprisonment that it had actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel... ...rather than the hindrance of it. Isn't that amazing? Please don't undermine the circumstances that you may be going through. God is on the throne, and he will turn those circumstances for the furtherance of the gospel... And it is important even to have a testimony rather than a mere title. And testimonies do come when people are faithful to the Lord, even in the most afflictions. There was, however, a tragic difficulty in Paul's day. We have the same happenings in this day, and it is still tragic. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strive and some also from goodwill. You see, that is happening even in our own time. Some people preach the gospel from envy and strife, instead of from goodwill. It is unbelievable to many people, as it was to me before I studied the word of God, that the preaching of the gospel of Christ could be done in envy and strife. But now that I have been in ministry for some time, I know that one of the things that hurts the preaching of the gospel, probably more than any other single thing, is the envy and the strife. Paul will mention envy and strife several times in this epistle. There must have been quite a few who were preaching the gospel in that way. Envious of the apostle Paul. Jealousy because they didn't have the results that Paul produced. One of the solutions to this problem of envy is for every Christian to recognize that he has a gift. We do not all have the same gifts, my friend. The body could not function if we did. The problem is that some men who have one gift are envious of a man who has a different gift. You will remember that Paul told the Corinthians that the gifts are to be exercised in love. Every gift is to be exercised that way. My friend, if you will exercise your gift in love, you will not envy someone else because love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 Envy says, I don't think much of you, and pride says, what do you think of me? There is the difference between envy and pride, and the believer is warned against both of them. Paul put it very blandly when he wrote, "For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did, now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it?" First Corinthians four verse seven. Strife is an interesting word; it is the Greek word eris which means to stay up, referring to demons, the spirits that stay up, strive, envy and strive. These two still hurt the church today. Alcohol and drugs on the outside of the church cannot hurt it nearly as much as the envy and, strike and strife on the inside of the church. Now notice, however, that there were some who preached Christ out of good will. The former preached Christ from selfish ambitions, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Philippians 1 verse 16 Those motivated by envy and strife preached Christ, but not sincerely. They actually did it to try to belittle Paul. They were envious of the Apostle Paul, but they had not been able to say anything against him. Now that he was in prison and unable to defend himself, these men would go out and preach the gospel, but they also would have a few little things to say against Paul. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Philippians 1 verse 17. Now these are the two groups. What is Paul's attitude towards them. And that attitude is important. Listen to Paul. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. Philippians 1 verse 18. You see, Paul here rejoices that the people receive some knowledge of Christ, even if the preaching is from an ulterior motive. The important thing for Paul was that Christ be preached, no matter whether it was done in pretense or by true motive. Now, it is tragic that at times Christ is preached is preached in envy and strife. He is still preached that way today. But we can always rejoice whenever Christ is preached, my friend. Thank God Christ is being preached. That is the important thing. We can rejoice to a day whenever the word of God is given out. It is interesting and also comforting to know that Christ can be preached insincerely, and yet people can still be served. God honors his word, not the man or the organization. We need to recognize that today. The Spirit of God is the only one who can bring blessings, and he can bless only. When the word of God is given. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Through your prayer. And the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1 verse 19. My deliverance is used in the New Testament. To refer not only to spiritual salvation of the individual. But it also refers to self-preservation. In a physical sense. Paul uses it here of his own temporary deliverance in which he visualizes something spiritual. Deliverance can either be his personal final salvation or his vindication in court and release from prison. The early church supplies information that would support the view that Paul was released soon after the writing of this letter. Through your prayer, may I say that the Bible makes it very clear, That God hears and answers the prayers of his people. We need to ask God's people to pray for us. Paul says that through their prayers, he hopes to be set free. Through the supply of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. You see, the only way you and I can get that supply is that we need. The only way you and I can get that supply that we need is through prayer. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Philippians 1 verse 20 Paul here said that he did not want to be ashamed of his witness while he is in this life. And he did not want to be ashamed when he came into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle John mentions the fact that when Christ comes to take his church with him, it is possible for believers to be ashamed at his appearing. First John 2 verse 28 Now we need to bear in mind of these things. All Christians ought to be concerned about that. Friend, You will recall that this chapter gives the philosophy of Christian living. You will find that Paul will sum up the theme of each of these four chapters in one verse and sometimes in one sentence. The next verse puts this chapter in a nutshell. We will look at this verse in our next study. Let us meet then. But for today, may God be close to you. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620, South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.